So we're going to the Mimer from uh, Parshas Vayera, Tavshin Chafei, 1965. It's a Mimer based on the Aftera. It's not the Mimer that some of you learned before, on the, which begins with the same words. Um, the story in the is about the uh, wife of the prophet Avadia. Avadia uh, nourished all the prophets of Hashem and took, got into great debt because of that. And uh, the wife of Avadia is now left with the predicament of her children being taken by creditors, and she turns to Elisha, the, new, the prophet of Hashem, asking him for help. And Elisha famously tells her to borrow, <clears throat> what does she have left at home? She tells Elisha she has left a, a bottle of oil, <clears throat> and he tells her to borrow other uh, containers, as many as she can, and she should fill the other containers uh, with this bottle that she has. And miraculously, it, uh, it, this one bottle turns into a huge amount of oil. Let's go. This is uh, printed in the Dvar Malchus. I don't have a PDF, but uh, hopefully you'll trust me that I'm saying it accurately. And one of the wives of the prophets cried to Elisha, there is a mimer, the Alter Rebbe, that explains every single detail of the story in our service of Hashem. Understand this by first prefacing a teaching of Rabbi Hilma Paracher, which apparently his teaching is based on the teaching of the Alter Rebbe. As an intro to explain the story of the Alter all the stories of the Tanakh, although they happen in a simple sense, we know they happen in a simple sense because there is no verse that can be extracted from its simple meaning, and therefore they must have actually happened. But the fact that they, they were chosen, that the, our prophets chose to, to, to say these specific stories, there must be a reason for it why these stories were chosen of all stories. Because in these stories, there are many secrets on how we need to serve Hashem. That's what Rabbi Hillel said. Many things happened to Elisha, many things happened to Avram. And the reason why the stories that were told are these specific stories, because these stories aren't just their stories, they're our stories. It says in Isaiah, on the Pasuk, this is the book of the Chronicles of Man, the Zohar says that every person is the book of the Torah, and every story you read in the Torah is also your story. Avram is you, and Sarah is you, and Rivka is you. So, therefore, if this story was chosen, it's because it's my story. Just as the instructions of the laws of the Torah, of the code of Jewish law, are eternal for all places and all times. As the author of the rights that the Torah is eternal, and that's the meaning of what we say every night in Maira. We say that they are our lives. We say Torah mitzvahs are our lives. In them left there, it doesn't only mean 
that I live in this, that this is my life, that, I, that, I'm, that I'm alive in this, that, this, that, I, that I have passion in the Torah mitzvahs, that's not only what it means, that I live in it, it means something more. It doesn't only mean that I learned Torah with animation. Rather, it also means that the Torah determines what kind of life I live. That means that the, based upon the Torah, every Jew and every time and every place conducts his life. So it's not just that I'm, I'm passionate, I'm alive in Torah, but Torah is alive in me and Torah directs me how I need to live my life. So I am using the Torah as, my, um, as a blueprint of my life. The difference between the word manual and the word blueprint is that a manual means that first there is me, and the Torah determines how I need to live in my life. So Torah is a, a manual. But the truth is, first there is the Torah, and the Torah is the blueprint of why there is this, this space called the world. First, Hashem wanted it to be something accomplished. So just like you... Um, you can't put a table through a uh, through an opening which is too small. So Hashem had to create time and space in order for there to be His plan. So too, in each of us, Hashem created the circumstances that we're in right now. And when I say right now, I mean today and not yesterday. And these circumstances are were built based on Torah for the sake of Torah. And therefore, not when we say Torah is our life, it doesn't just mean that I'm alive in Torah. That means that the Torah determines what, I'm, what life means. And therefore also the lessons of the stories of the Torah are eternal. Because the whole Torah is one. And you cannot divide one element of Torah from another. The Rambam writes that if a person says that one verse in the Torah isn't from God, one verse or even one word, and it doesn't matter what verse you pick, whether you pick the verse, I am Lord your God, or you pick the verse that Timnah was a concubine of, uh, in the family of Asaph. If you say that Moshe said it by himself, even if you say that it's true, and even if you say that it's holy, but if you say that it's not coming from Hashem, you say it's not the same status as the words, I am the Lord your God. If you say that the, the, the concubines of Asaph aren't as holy as the words, I am Lord your God, then you deny the whole Torah. The same is also applies to the oral Torah. If you say about one element of the oral Torah, if you say that this isn't as holy as the words, I am Lord your God, then you are you're called a denier of Torah. Same thing applies also to the stories of Torah, that they are eternal lessons. If you say that the stories of Torah, that the lessons contained in the stories of Torah, are somewhat limited and they're not eternal, then 
not only are you missing those specific lessons from those stories, but you're also missing something in the laws of the Torah in the Code of Jewish Law. You're also missing something in the words that God gave us when He first gave the Torah, when He said, I am Lord your God. Why are you missing something? Why are you missing, you're missing those, those specific laws? Why are you missing something in everything? If I say that the laws in the Gemara about uh, Saras, whether the lesion comes before the hair or the hair comes before the lesion, if I say those lessons in Torah aren't so relevant, why am I missing in my faith in God and in the words of I am Lord your God? So he gives an example. Just like if there's a Torah missing one letter, that blemishes the kashros of the entire Torah. Since it's a part of the Torah, which is not eternal for you, that means at this time, this part of the Torah doesn't exist anymore for you. So the Torah, the way that I have the Torah, is not a kosher Torah. My Torah doesn't include the sister of Timna. The, the, the fact that sisters are concubine of Asa doesn't exist in my Torah, so my whole Torah isn't the holy Torah. Because the Torah is only kosher if the whole Torah is there. So too is this true regarding the story in this week's Torah. The story actually happened. That's true. The Besides the fact that every story in the every verse in the Torah has a simple translation, besides that, this is one of the sixteen miracles that Elisha did. It says in the Talmud that Elisha did. Hashem told Elisha, "I will give you." Elisha told, sorry, Eliyahu told Elisha, "I will give you twice as much as the spirit of Elisha." What is the meaning of twice as much as the spirit of Elisha? That Elio Anavi did eight miracles, and Elisha does sixteen. So we have to say this story is something that actually happened physically. He nay fine, it happened physically, but that's not the point. The fact that this story was written in the Torah that indicates it has a message for us in our lives. Don't say that the reason why this is in the Torah is just because Hashem wants to prove, wants to demonstrate that the words that he said, that Elisha, that, El, that, that Elisha will actually fulfill twice as many miracles as Elio, and therefore he puts in his Torah how these actual miracles, how these miracles actually happened. If that was God's intent, God could have just written in the Torah, 16 miracles happened. But since the Torah doesn't just say 16 miracles happen and proceeds to tell us each of those miracles, and many details in those, in those miracles, so that tells us that the entire story and all the details in the story are eternal. There's a very... Um, strong overarching mes- m- message over here about about the way we look at Torah. Saying it's not that, that was not just saying that when you're reading this after you have to take it home and, 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 and make it real to you. That, that was saying that you, the Torah isn't only a safer that we take out and we have in Aron Kedesh. In other words, the Zohar says that everything in the Torah exists in me. Okay, that's true. 
But that, the Zayr is talking about something that I need to learn from Torah. The Rebbe is saying that I am my own Sefer Torah too as well. And my Torah in me could be kosher or not kosher. It could be a part of the Torah in me which, is, which isn't, it could be part of the Torah which is erased in me. And if it's erased, then, then my version of Torah isn't true. Then not only, I don't have a Sefer Torah. There's a halacha that if any Jew dies, you're standing there, it doesn't matter who the Jew is, you have to, uh, you have to, you have to tear Kriya. And the question is, why you have to tear Kriya? The person you're tearing, you're staying next to, doesn't believe in God, doesn't believe in Terah. So we know that maybe externally doesn't believe in God, doesn't believe in Terah, but that doesn't take away from who he really is. Really, who is he? He's a, he is a safer Terah. So that's how it, that's, if we're talking about our subconscious, if we're talking about our Nisham, we're talking about our soul. But it seems like from the way that Rebbe's describing the Torah in each of us, that there's another, there's another layer here. There's a way that the, there, my attitude in Torah draws a Torah in myself. And if there's a part of the Torah that I am saying that's not really, it's not Torah, then I, I, don't, I don't have any of Torah, to a certain extent. Okay, so this, therefore this story is certainly very relevant. Rebbe is saying this all in the context that we should pay attention to this story. Oiz base. And this is the language of the Alter Rebbe's discourse in one of the booklets of Chassidus that were not yet printed. Just as people come to speak to the Rebbe privately and they talk to the Rebbe about how distant they are from the living God, so to every night. When the neshama goes to Hashem at nighttime, what does the soul do when it approaches God every night when you go to sleep? And the soul sends to God. So that just like when you go into an audience with the Rebbe, you cry to the Rebbe and how distant you are, so too does the Alter Rebbe. Just like, just like we do this in this world, so too does the neshama go to Hashem and it says something. What does it say? It, it cries every night bitterly about its distance from the living God. And the Alter Rebbe explained the verses of this week's Torah in the following way. The word Isha, the word woman, is the Neshama. As it says in the Torah, a, we say in the Eshes Chayel, a woman who is God-fearing. The woman who is God-fearing refers to the soul of every Jew who is called God-fearing. The soul is God-fearing. Achas, and it's called, she is called one woman, because the soul is one with God. One with God means a couple of things to me. Uh, first of all, it means like we pray every day in davening. literally means it, you should unite our heart to love and have reverence for you. also means that my relationship to you should be yachad. It should be unique. There should be something unique about a lot of things in my heart and my brain. But when I talk, when I think about you, Hashem, there should be something unique there. We have a unique connection. I'm, I am attached to you differently than anything else. Hashem is, Hashem is faithful to Hashem. Hashem is only interested in Hashem. Hashem is one with Hashem. Also means that the Hashem is godly, the Hashem is holy, the Hashem is a part of Hashem. So the Hashem, the woman, the one woman, the soul, who is one with Hashem, what does she do? She is a wife of the children of the prophets. What does that mean? The word prophecy is related to the word movement, 
the movement of the lips. When a prophet says prophecy, what is he doing? The words of God are resting on his lips and he is receiving the words of Hashem. So a soul also can call So just like a prophet receives the prophecy, so too does every creature that is created by Hashem receive God's words. God created the world with ten utterances. So every neshama, every soul is rece- receives from those words. But specifically, a neshama is a vessel for those words. It's a vessel for godliness. The neshama is able to understand and appreciate revelation of Hashem. We were deferring the Shabbos about how it's possible that um, Hashem calls you but uh, and tells you lech lecha, but you don't hear him. Hashem told Avram lech lecha because Avram was ready to hear it. Avram was a vessel for it. If Hashem told me lech lecha, why would I even hear it? So the neshama is, has a unique relationship with Hashem and therefore it's, it's, it's open and it's ready and it's interested to, to receive from Hashem and it's a vessel. It's able to absorb what Hashem tells the neshama. We pray every day in davening. We say... Uh, let our mouths uh, in the Harevna, let the words of Torah be sweet in our mouths. One meaning of that is, is that uh, we, are, we shouldn't say Lashon Hara, we shouldn't say not good things, and that Torah should find our mouths a, a great place to hang out. Um, so it, it's possible that there's stuff in me which, which prevents me from getting what Hashem is giving me. But my neshama is, is pure, my neshama is a vessel to receive godliness. So what does the neshama do? Neshama, which is called a prophet, meaning that the neshama is a recipient of God's words. Elisha, the soul cries to Elisha. The word Elisha is made up of two words: Natrikan Kelisha, Lashnayisha, Halachulu, Pirusha Eli. It says in the Torah that after Hevel brought a sacrifice, it says Vayisha, God turned to Hevel. So the word Elisha means, comes to the word, to turn. And the first part of the word, Kaili, my God turned to me. So the word Elisha means, not just Hashem, it means the way God turns to us. Just like God turned to the sacrifice of Hevel, so when the, the soul cries to Hashem, Hashem turns to the Neshama. Neshama complains to Hashem, it's distant from Hashem. So Hashem turns, turns towards the Neshama. And then the Neshama describes the situation. Your servant, my husband, has died. What's the meaning of my husband? The word husband is made up of two parts. The fire of the Yud. There is in the Neshama an element of yearning for godliness. And the deepest yearning is from the highest part of the neshama, from the yud of the neshama. So the neshama says that this part of me has died. The 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 yearning that I have is to become absorbed in chachmila. What's chachmila? We learned many times chachmila is the place where there it's revealed how there's nothing besides Hashem. So my neshama has, has a fire of yud. As a fire to be Yud. My Neshama wants to be in the Yud zone. It wants to be in that place of Eden Mavadi. That's what my Neshama wants. That's what it used to want. But now she says it died. May Setzli. It, it's now not there. 
She continues and says to Elisha, you, you know that your servant, meaning my husband, was God-fearing. The words he was God-fearing also mean that he illuminated Hashem. That means, so to speak, he was able to add light into, into, into the name of Hashem, Yudke Vavke. So he was Yari Hashem, he illuminated. Yari doesn't just mean fearful, it also means illuminate. He was my, my husband was someone who illuminated God's name. And the creditor has come to take away my two children to be slaves. On the surface, she's saying that there's a creditor and we owe him money and my two children are being taken away. The word noisha, the word creditor, is related to the words forgetful. So, so the word creditor is related to the animal soul. Why does creditor have to do with the animal soul? Because cre- the word creditor also means forgetful. The, s- the animal soul is the one that makes me forget about you. So the creditor, the one who makes me forget about you, the, the one who makes me forget is trying to take away my children. Who are my children? My children are the two, the two feelings of love and reverence, love and fear of Hashem. So the animal soul is trying to rape my feelings of love and reverence for Hashem and to, and to put, take them as, as slaves and make the love and reverence I have for Hashem to be transferred to love and fear other things, to love physical things and to be afraid of physical things, uh, to be afraid of, I may, I may not have enough uh, bread. So that's what she says to Elisha. I'm just going to learn this response of Elisha uh, tomorrow, and then a positive note, it ends up being good. A great day, uh, Yonatan, great day, Rebzev, great day, David. Any questions before we break for the day? Okay, a great day, Elitrot. Love and revere the two.